0: Hello and welcome back to another installment of Battle Red Radio. I'm your host, Colt Molesky, and as always, we're at the midweek point yet again, and I'm joined by Corey DLG, my co-host. Corey, we've got a lot of news to get to. We've also got some trade talk that we're getting to, as well as a little bit of scuttlebutt about our site, the Battle Red blog, that we're a part of that we want to address on the show. But before we get to all of that, Corey, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. I'm doing very good. Um, nothing too, too big or crazy. We didn't do a show uh, yesterday because a storm rolled through Houston. And, and literally in our recording window, which is late at night. I mean, that is our fault, I should say. They literally, it, the internet was down for like two hours. I don't know I don't know what people do anymore now when the internet goes out. I, I had to look at people in the face and, and have conversations. It was the worst two hours of the last five years it was terrible It was terrible it hurt that is pretty interesting in our
0: industry especially when you're making when you're in the the content game like somebody unplugging your your wi-fi if somebody takes out your wi-fi like you're just you're
1: just done yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was kind of funny because nico and i were talking like we were texting and he was like so what do you want to do and i was like well let's see if it kicks back on because it was intermittent it would come on for about 10-15 minutes and then go out and i'd be like well there'd be no way to get through a show that way so we really needed to kind of hold steady and it just it didn't happen in any kind of real time and we were just kind of like so how you been and we're brothers and we still didn't even have that much to talk about like it was like all right well (laughs) 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 it's uh it's a tough yeah exactly and like like, there's not like
0: really work like if the internet went down for you right now, we're in different states. <laughs> we can't really just like get to a studio to record together. We're Let's make it's it over. work. It, <laughs> Black magic. I think Exactly and, and uh the the editors, like the managing editors at Battle Red Blog, like they all live in different like we we would literally all be disconnected. With no hope of finding each other. Yeah,
1: I honestly, like, if there was some sort of weird apocalyptic event and we were all supposed to get together. I I know I know for I don't know how much we're supposed to say about this though. So I know for sure one of the writers lives in Italy. Um, on the conference call, a dude straight up had an Italian accent, and he was like, I'm gonna be coming to the States in the middle of the season. I hope to catch a game or two And I was like <laughs> in my head I was like why is he here? (laughs) But I mean, everybody covers, everybody does their job. Everybody writes great blogs. So like, there's nothing really to say about it, but it is interesting that like we live in the era where we can kind of do this from anywhere. So, and you,
0: that is pretty funny too, to have like, like great for him that he's like following his passion and like the time difference. I can't imagine covering a team that plays when uh for if he's in Italy, like that's at what 2am the games are. So, I mean, Good on him for following his passion, but also, like, how did you fall in love with the Texans? Yeah. Like, what what horrible, horrible fandom to, like, fall in love yeah. with a football team that is making you give it two and also
1: stinks. Yeah, like, what's the story there? Like, his dad's an oil rigger or something? Like, how does that work out? That's like... the Bermuda Triangle of fandom. <laughs> I don't, like, I don't know. It's got to be a rough one to, to like, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Um,
0: imagine explaining that to other people too. Just like I gotta gotta go to bed. I'm waking up for the game. Just like oh for the American football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, are they really good? No, no, no they're-, they're they're perhaps <laughs> they are arguably one yeah, of the worst teams in the league. <laughs> they
1: are in the the middle of a several year stretch of subpar football. <laughs> You're just like it's really oh, it's okay. it's really tough to watch. <laughs> I'm not sure. However, um, and I'm not going to name anybody, but however, he covers with zeal and energy and posts his, his articles and his blogs and, you know, in the back.
0: Hey, you know what? You know what? More power to him. Yeah, up. no, for That's real. That's what I say. Uh,
1: but this guy's making a living between 2 and 6 p- six a.m. in Italy. I don't know. He's like the army, right? We get more done before 6 a.m. than you do all day. And it's like, yeah, I guess if you live in Italy. I guess so.
0: 100% he does. <laughs> yeah. 100% he does. Uh, we, we got a couple of things to get to, uh, before we talk about the Brandon cooks stuff that, uh, is going to be the main segment here. We're going to talk about trade options for the Texans centering in on Brandon cooks. I know that this has been a conversation piece for a little bit here, but we're going to really hammer away at it on the show today. Before we get to that though, I wanted to touch a little bit on some of the, the news that's kind of filtering through the Texans sphere right now I saw I've seen this post uh a couple of places I know it's on the battle red blog which you should be going and checking out as well but uh, I I've seen this from multiple writers I've seen this question brought up on Twitter uh really kind of after the game and really yesterday is when it started to. it seemingly picked up conversational traction but Corey, I wanted to ask you here: Should Lovey Smith be on the hot seat? That seems to be the word on the street. Is maybe the seat is warming up?
1: What? Ooh.
0: No, no. I, I I have seen this take that Lovey Smith should be at least he should be a candidate for somebody on the hot seat at some point this season.
1: What was that? I'm kind of shocked by that. I'm just not sure, like what would that be based upon or against? Like why would? Has he done something egregious in any of the games where we, we look up and we go, what was that? Like, did he call for a punt on third down? Like, where are we, what what are we seeing that makes us think that, like, first of all, we've been competitive in all of these games. So, that is a testament to him, because we're nowhere near as talented as any of these teams we've played. The, and the, the game with the biggest margin has been, what, the Chargers game? I guess maybe this Raiders game. But... The Raiders game is the one of the biggest. But I mean, market. that was just at the. I mean, it was just right there at the end. And honestly, that's not. That wasn't coaching. We were trading touchdowns all the way up until that Kenyon Green fall start, um, middle early fourth. So I, I can't. No, short answer, no. Long answer. What is the matter with some some of these people and their hot takes? He would be okay. Let's let's go down that path for eight seconds here. Let's say this. If we if we fired him, he would be the second coach we fired after a one year stint. Secondly, he would be let go now? I mean, so week 8, week 7? Why are we letting him go at this point? What is the are we going to hire somebody better than Lovey Smith right now? There's there's a season of football left. I mean, there's still basically there's 10 weeks of football at this point still. So, at what point do we take a deep breath, come back from Crazy Town, and actually evaluate the team as it's built? Because firing Lovey Smith, actually, I think probably... First of all, I don't think we have the tie with the Colts if it wasn't for Lovey Smith. Uh, I also I, I think it would be a loss. I think it would have been a loss by probably 10 points. Um... Because he had the defense playing so well in the first half that Matt Ryan mentally checked out. Uh, there's there's a lot of the way the defense is playing. I, I fully credit to him. I don't. I can't fathom a scenario where I would say that Lovey Smith is the reason we're not winning games. Not yet. No, I, I really can't. I even go.
0: I wouldn't even look at like necessarily well does coaching does his coaching warrant him potentially being on a hot seat or uh, does the play poten- i would just say how fast do we want these windows to close on these new coaches because we've seen this over the last what 10 15 years these windows for coaches these uh, this time frame that we're expecting success and turnaround from these coaches they have sped up pretty rapidly uh, in both college and professional football Uh, and if you're going if you're narrowing that window down to now seven weeks for a team that entered again we've said this before it entered the season with very low to zero expectations for the team as a whole you can get into what they expected from individual players or roster groups uh, positions but as far as the team as a whole the expectations pretty low And so to go from that to we should probably fire the coach or is the coach on the hot seat after seven weeks makes zero sense. And you're backing yourself into a corner where you go, what is actually a realistic expectation look like for a coach? Because I got to tell you, this ain't it. (laughs) This is not a
1: realistic expectation. now I will disagree with you a little bit. I will think there are I do think there are times when, you know, right away, if a guy's not the guy. Um, I think Denver can confidently, I think they could have confidently fired their coach after the, after week one, walking off the field. I think they could have fired a coach. Um, I think, but that that's what I'm saying though, is that like, even if you
0: do that for that coach, you're setting a precedent no, 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 I just of just think, how fast you're going to make it think, as a decision for the next you know, coach. You know what I'm saying? See,
1: I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. I think you can set an expectation with your head coaches you could say hey i don't want to see eight false starts on week one on monday night football i don't think that's unreasonable i don't want to see six delay of games on monday night football because you can't call plays in i don't want to see a too many men in the huddle uh for a punt or a too few guys on the field and you have to burn a timeout in the second half because you have 10 men on the field for a punt return they didn't have a returner back there at one point in game one. So no, if I'm the Denver organization, I would, yeah, I would have, I, I would have, if I was in the ownership group and whoever the decision maker is says we're, we're terminating him tonight, this is ridiculous, I would have had no objections and I would have defended the decision maker's position. There are, I do believe, I think there are times you know a coach is great and you know a coach is the in, in over his head. The Browns a couple years ago when they turned the quarterbacks coach into the head coach. Uh, two years ago, three years ago, and then they fire him and the and he got one year and they fire him and it was a total mistake. I don't I think he made it nine weeks or something like that. They knew they knew by the end of training camp that he wasn't the right guy. They just tried to wait for him to magically turn into the guy and it never happened. I don't want to do that if I'm a professional team. So I'm fine with firing a guy after week one. When you know, because here's what is going to happen at the end of this season: the Denver head coach is going to lose his job. I don't, I don't, see, I don't understand the way he keeps it at this point, unless they're just trying to be the team who doesn't fire a guy after one year. But if he's really bad at his job, it's a bad hire. You need to, you need to just move on from it as fast as possible. If you're this
0: outside of outside of some moral or ethical situation. I don't see a scenario. How many years? How it many has years, to be pretty. It has to be pretty wild for me to fire a coach in the first year before
1: the years. How is many over. years would you be willing to let the Denver head coach coach that team? Considering you're giving, I'd
0: still give him. I'd still
1: give him the end of you're one. Giving Russell Wilson two hundred and fifty million dollars. So you're expecting a Super Bowl run in the next four years. So if you give him this whole year, this whole year, that means the next guy has to come in and in three years win you a Super Bowl. And if you give him the whole year and it doesn't work out and then you fire him, well, now you have a two-year window to win a Super Bowl with another with a new hired coach. So then at that point, it's unlikely, right? That's my issue. My issue is in places like that where they know there's only one thing that they're built for at this instant, Denver set themselves up to be, they should be, I mean what? 6 and 1, 5 and 2. But they have made so many poor decisions, so many penalties, so many weird things. They can't the crowd was literally chanting the 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 time on the play clock so they wouldn't get more delay of games. Yeah, I would fire that head coach. I would fire that head coach and I would have done it after week 1 when he embarrassed the organization on Monday Night Football. Would I fire Lovey Smith? He has shown zero reason to be let go so far.
0: Too, too quick on the fire button, first of all. After one week, crazy stuff can happen in, in a week of football. We have seen that over no, no, and over again. Can, but, but one week, especially the first week, especially the first week for a coach. Everything I saw was all coaching. The me. head coach for the first time. Yeah, absolutely. I would not, I would not do that. Everything I saw was, was coaching. All.
1: Everything, every, all of it. The delay of games means that their structure is poor from calling play to getting it to the quarterback to getting it to the huddle to getting it to the line. The six delay of games, that means that they don't know what they're doing. And it also means in-game, they couldn't fix it once they realized they weren't doing it right. And then all the uh, the false starts and all the other stuff. I think there were eight eight different uh, false starts. That means that the team didn't practice right together. Because the one thing everyone should know week one is the quarterback's cadence. You don't have to play a training camp, but at least in practice and walkthroughs, you should know what the quarterback sounds like. So, no, there to me... It would be rare. I'm not saying every year there's a there's a guy I'd be firing. But what we saw out of him was so obviously not NFL-ready that, yes, I would fire him. Most most people, I'm with you. I can't think of a reason they would fire him. But Denver is supposed to be one of the best teams. Remember, we were talking about all the predictions everyone had. They are supposed to be one of the best teams. Russell Wilson was supposed to be one of the greats. This is a, the defense is supposed to be very good and the defense is very good.
0: Just think how that looks as a franchise though. If after one week you put the head coach on the chopping block, first of all, you are you are wiring that organization so tight it wouldn't be able to run. If people think you have one bad week and you're out the door. Uh, and also, they would be a laughing they stock. They are a laughing if stock. They, they came are. in and want Yeah. Yeah, but they're not fixing their situation by firing the head coach after the no, first week but, of the season. That's crazy. That's but crazy. They are. They would and be. now and now if what you're and now let's let's if we could wrap this back to the Texans, if you're the Texans and you actually believe Lovey Smith is one of these coaches that should be on the hot seat and should get canned mid season. I don't know what that. Does. What are you expecting out of that interim head coach to now turn it around in ten games, and all of a sudden you're making a playoff berth because you ran the table? That's also ridiculous. I I don't see that in in a first. now, it gets different after after the first year, maybe, but a first year head coach firing them in season, I don't see what you gain. From I think that.
1: Well, here's what I would say: you gain from that. I would push back against the. Now everyone doesn't know if they have if they have length of time or not. Because I think in the interview you explained to your interview candidates, listen, he made questionable choices the whole way through. Remember, Denver was – they – the store – You can explain all you want, but you still fired the
0: guy after one week. The guy's going to come in thinking, wow, if I make a mistake in this next week, I'm going to be out the door too. No, no,
1: no. Because there are certain things that are mistakes that you're – I'm okay with. Like, I'm not firing John Harbaugh for not knowing that he should go for an extra point. Um, But I am – he made a bunch of weird decisions as a first-year coach, thinking he knew better than the entire league, and they all backfired. He was wrong about every decision he made. So by the time he got to week one, he burned up all of his capital. He would burned up every ounce of, oh, it's okay, he's new. Remember, because he didn't have the starters play any training camp, all of their key players sat out the entire preseason. So none of those guys got any reps together. So everyone keeps saying now, man, it shows how important the preseason is. We literally now have players talking about how important the preseason is because of how awful Denver has started. So that already kind of – there's – you can push back against some of the narrative. I understand what you're saying. They're like, oh, now it looks like you have the quick trigger bubble. Sometimes you just know someone isn't the right fit, though. And even giving them a whole year, what does that do? You're still a one-and-done coach. It doesn't matter when you fire the guy. If you If you're an organization with six one-and-done coaches, it's an organizational problem. If you're a team with one one and done coach, but the next guy you hire is the right guy, then it's a blip. It's a well, that was a really bad fit for the two of them. I mean, well, and if, but you're not probably
0: fi- hiring the right guy at week five. Oh in no, no, the, in no. The you, season. you would
1: you would go to an interim situation for the rest of this season. You would, you, and you would tell these guys, listen, show me your best effort, show me what you got. I'll, I'll interview you for the job, but I'm going to be looking for a real coach candidate come next season. That's what I would be doing. But I would be firing the uh, the other guy because I don't want to sit through 16 more games of him being a complete joke and making a joke of this franchise. And right now, on the cover of the ESPN page, it's Stephen A. Smith talking about what's wrong with Russell Wilson. So this guy has not made their situation any better. That's why. That's why I, think, I would fire him. That, because I think it, if, at no point do I have the confidence that he's going to get me through this season.
0: I think a first year head coach is kinda like is kinda like a kid where you're gonna have <laughs> some growing pains. Okay, and maybe that might be true. There's gonna be a couple times where the kid throws up on the carpet <laughs> and it's not potty trained, uh and, and it's a little bit of a mess. Uh but I think you ride some of that out. Now, am I saying Hackett is going to turn around year two? No. I'm not, say- I'm not even saying that Hackett is a good coach. But I'm not I, – I don't I know if firing him in season – in week five or week seven is what turns your season around for how bad oh, this no, stuff nothing is. no, nothing uh, turns now, the season now, around. Now, if we could – by the way, you bring up the Broncos a lot. I think you're secretly in love with the how messy the Broncos are. Uh, uh, if we could just turn <laughs> this around to the Houston Texans situation and Lovey Smith, we agree that he shouldn't be on the hot seat. Is this a case of Texans fans seeing a team that is close
1: to wins and mistaking that for a team that should be winning? Yes, 100%. And they're also not they're also clearly not understanding just how bad this team is. This is a bad roster. This roster is comprised mostly of guys who couldn't stay on other teams' rosters. A lot of cut guys. A lot of guys just floating in the NFL who are thrilled to get one-year deals because they're just trying to get one more year in the league is what our team is made of. Uh, and you're right, I do pick on the Broncos a lot. I pick on them because this year, there's not a lot that's worse than the Texans in the NFL. Within the confines of the NFL, there's there's clearly not a lot of teams organizationally who are more messed up than we are. I think the Steelers and the Packers have some real issues. Um but the Broncos, they paired hiring a first-year head coach with trading for a alleged Hall of Famer, you know, perennial Pro Bowler. we and then they gave the guy two hundred fifty million dollars, and they were like, "You guys go get us a Super Bowl," and it's just completely exploded in their face. And I don't see it getting any better because it hasn't got any. It hasn't improved through the through the season. They are they are still right now exactly who they were week one.
0: Well, misery loves company. Let's
1: uh, <laughs> let's let's move along here. Let's move along here to uh,
0: to some other topics. Before we do that, though, Corey, let's hear from some sponsors.
1: It's never a good idea to drink and drive. But what if you had a few beers at the game and you know you're not drunk, but you get pulled over and arrested anyway? You need a law firm that knows how to try DWIs. Someone who is who won't just plead you out quickly. You need a lawyer who has a hundred hours of hands-on instruction in a lab, learning the sciences used in DWI cases. A lawyer ACS qualified to be a designated a lawyer scientist, because these cases aren't like other kinds of cases. Your positive outcomes may very well depend on who better understands and presents the science at trial. Attorney Brian Asin is a designated lawyer scientist, and lawyers at Asin Law Firm have successfully tried and won many of these cases. Call Asin Law Firm at 832-209-2297. That's Asin Law Firm at 832-209-2297, or visit DWILawyerHouston.com. Also, let me tell you guys about the latest party to hit the Houston scene, Custom Geek Parties. Everything from corporate team-building exercises, geek-themed weddings, RPG parties, board game parties, cosplay parties, and more. Call Gamers Inner Circle at 281-746-4260. Gamers Inner Circle at 281-746-4260. Gamers Inner Circle. Have you joined yet?
0: We have some, I don't know what to call them, allegations or maybe... (laughs) Uh, rumors or something about the battle red blog that we should address but before we do that you know it really it has stuck in my mind like a burr in your sweater for the last few days okay okay and i think it's time i think it's time we entertain the brandon cook's trade talks
1: okay all right i'm ready for this uh i am pro trading him gone at
0: as am I. And I want to preface this by saying I don't think – I would I would not clarify this as this needs to be a fire sale of talent for as many draft picks as possible. Let's start by bra- trading Brandon Cooks. I would say that, one, there's every single year in the draft you can find lots of receiving talent. The receiving core on this team – is not going to elevate Davis mills. It is very clear and Davis mills is not good enough to elevate this receiving core. And so I don't know if keeping him around helps you find out something about Davis mills and if he's the quarterback of the future. So I think you should trade him as your one tradable asset on offense that you don't want to keep for the future, like offensive line pieces, Damian Pierce, those guys you want to keep for the future. Brandon cooks because you could look at it and say, well, if you trade Brandon cooks, you're really hampering Davis mills passing attack. Cause he's their best receiver and you're not, and therefore not giving him a fair shake, not figuring out if he's your quarterback. I think we know now where we sit with Davis mills and trading Brandon cooks, isn't going to impact that decision. Right. And so let's, let's move him for, for draft capital. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Um, I was agreeing with you all the way until just about the end there. Um, I do, I do think we should trade him. I think we should trade him for draft capital. I think the jury is still out on Davis Mills. These last two weeks have looked, last two games have looked so much better than let's say week one. Um, I don't know. I, I, I still don't know if he's the answer or not. That might be my answer. You know, maybe. <laughs> Maybe that's the answer I need, is that because I don't know if he's the answer or not, then that means that he's not the guy. But I I am in favor of trading Brandon Cooks because I don't think... It's not like we're making all these great downfield plays anyway. It's not like we're utilizing him as this great offensive weapon in the first place. So for me, I don't have an issue necessarily moving him because I don't necessarily think... That we're losing too, too much. There's a couple other guys that we throw to downfield. And there's always another guy to sign and at least give it a go with. And if Brandon Cooks can bring us back some value to keep help speeding up this. Every extra draft pick is, is speeding up the rebuild, right? So we don't, I don't believe that. The only reason you wouldn't trade Brandon Cooks is if you think Br- that Brandon Cooks is going to be here in three years, right? I don't think he's going to be here in three years. Um, he's got like a two-year extension that makes him, I think it's like $25 million or $20 million or $29 million. It's a big number for the next two years. That might be why you can't trade him. But I think it's, but past that, it's, it's $0 at that three-year mark when we have the most salary cap in the entire league, 194 million. So, I would suspect that they're going to move him at some point. So, I don't see why they wouldn't just do it now.
0: Learn more at marines.com. So according to, to spot track, yeah,
1: that's where I saw it. Uh,
0: the, the cooks. Yeah. The cooks contract is next year. It's 18. And then 2024, it drops down to 13.
1: Okay. It was 40. It was, I think it was a $35 million extension two years ago or something like that. So yeah, that sounds about right. Um, and then that's it. Now, Right? Like, he's gone to that third year from yeah, now. Yeah, after that, he's an unrestricted free yeah, agent. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know if somebody else wants to pay him $18 million. I don't know if somebody else even wants to pay him $13 million. That's, I think, If I remember right, it's one of those Easter B extensions that the rest of the league is trying to ignore. So, it might <laughs> not uh, help us in that regard. But if he... I, I have a team. I have a team okay, for this. Okay, what do you got? I have
0: a team for this. Now, I know that he's been on this team before already, but the Rams clearly miss having Odell Beckham and Robert Woods, right? So bad. Allen Robinson, while he's had his moments, has not filled that gap of being uh, a third down guy that can just pick up this, can move the chains on third down. And Cooper Cup is that guy, but he is getting like triple teamed now. Because he is the option for Stafford, everybody knows it. So he, the coverage is it, the coverage is not pulling over to his side; it's crashing over to his <laughs> it side. It really is. Uh, they're
1: daring. They are. They're leaving receivers open and telling Matthew Stafford to throw to him, and he's refusing to at this point.
0: Exactly, and it's not like Cooks is a bad receiver. He's still. I think he's still got some speed. I think he still has good hands, and I think he still uh, has that quick twitch in those, especially in those short routes that you want from somebody who you could throw in the slot, you can throw outside and, and he he can, he'll, he'll he'll be able to move the sticks for it. I think I don't, I'm not saying he's going to be, uh, Odell Beckham, but I think he could definitely fit that Robert Woods role that they had before he went to Tennessee. So, and and I get that it'd be weird getting the player that that was on that roster. I don't know if they would necessarily be enticed to playing that much, but we know that they don't care about picks. And so they'd be willing to send a couple maybe second day picks for a Brandon cooks type And because the running game is so bad, something that's usually a staple of the Sean McVay offense, they might be desperate enough to pull the trigger on something like this.
1: I, I, I think it's a good te- I think it's a good fit. I think that team has an obvious need at wide receiver. I think there's several teams that have an obvious need of wide receiver right now. Um, it looked pretty obvious in the Patriots game on the Monday Night Football that the Patriots can't get open. Um, it also looks like the Bears need a, a, a guy who can run a route. The Jets are in desperate need of receiver help. Still, I, I there's you know you know another guy
0: on or another team on my list here too that might be uh, a, an even better candidate than the Rams. But I was thinking. And now the the reason this could be a bad fit is they paid Kenny Galladay a bunch of money and that really, oh. really uh backfired. But the Giants, if you're looking at the Giants and saying, okay, you know what? Daniel Jones, he's not an elite quarterback by any means, but he's not sinking the ship. He's doing a really good <laughs> job running the ball. We've got an, a great running game here that's been established. If we could get a couple of deep shots, just a couple of deep shots off play action, with a guy like Brandon Cooks, who we know can stretch the field, maybe he's worth it. And again, you're paying Kenny Holliday all this money, and then you have uh, a hefty check coming from Brandon Cooks next year, right now, according to the contract he's currently under. Again, that's according to spot track uh, for next year. So maybe that is something that drives them away. But if you're looking at it and saying, you know what, the team we have to beat in the NFC is the Eagles. And if we just had a little more of the ethos of an offense, our defense is good but we need to score more points outside of the scoring we're doing in the fourth quarter. I uh, Maybe they make a move for a receiver and maybe that receiver, maybe it could be Brandon cooks. I don't know. That's the other team that came to mind. I'm just thinking of teams that not only have a need at wide receiver, because you're right. There's a lot of those, but also teams that really are, invested in making a push whether it's the rams who it's desperation because they've looked so bad and things aren't working or it's the giants who feel like they are on the cusp of something special
1: uh let me give you another team that fits those two parameters you laid out there the green bay packers Ooh, i like this this. okay i like this lay it out for me so i mean aaron Rodgers literally at the uh, this week the quotes coming out of green bay are maybe we need to start giving reps to other guys because these guys aren't cutting it so he's He's telling the coach he's tired of throwing to these guys who don't want to catch footballs, uh, and I, I, he's out of he's out of friends in Green Bay, and then, it's not that Brandon Cooks and him have some sort of long relationship, but Brandon Cooks can run routes and catch balls, so in Green Bay that would that would be a miracle, uh, and that might be worth a second or a third rounder to keep your hundred million dollar year to year quarterback happy.
0: That would also be pretty out of character for Green Bay, which, considering they just gave him uh, a new deal, uh, might be a nice way to show that they're committed to the next couple of years, this year and next yeah. year, uh, as far as success is concerned. Maybe you got
1: the two years left on the Cooks deal, anyway. And worst comes to worst, you lose a third rounder, and but if you get two years out of a third rounder, that's that's pretty good anyway. So if you give a third rounder for Cooks. Cooks comes up there, and all of a sudden Aaron Rodgers has a guy he feels like he can throw to on third down. And and by the way, I haven't caught enough games to be able to say whether or not it is the receiver's fault. It, it's just as likely he's lost a little bit. I, I mean, I don't know. He is 35, 36. Um, I don't know. I'm just thinking of all
0: the the plays, Amari Rodgers, Watson, these guys uh, dropping these long balls uh, in, in a couple of these games. And I, I feel like cooks and and you know what somebody could absolutely accuse me of being too high on brandon cooks but i feel like there's nobody there not nobody but there's very few players in the league that you can bank on uh a thousand yards and what 50 catches or whatever he's been averaging over the last six years like you can brandon cooks he feels very much like a mike evans where has mike evans has mike evans ever been one of the three best receivers in the nfl i would say no But he's always he's always good and he's always reliable. And when he's healthy and out there, he's going to be able to find yards and find catches. I feel like you could say the same about Brandon Cooks. No, I
1: totally agree. There was some sort of reliability stat, like the names they listed that were that Brandon Cooks was going to be joining if he had another thousand-yard season this year. Were like they're all Hall of Famers, right? It was like Jerry Rice type guys. And so you're like, nothing. Not that Brandon Cooks is like Jerry Rice let's let's not edit the sound bite there. Let's be yeah. clear <laughs> but he what he's been able to do in the league is carve himself a nice little role every year on on a team when it's obvious. I mean the guy's been traded three times four times. It's fairly obvious teams don't feel that he is too necessary. So what he's been able to do for himself in so many different places is impressive. Um, cause it's been saints, Patriots and Rams and us. So four times he's been traded
0: since, uh, since 2015, he has had one, two, three, four, five, six, 1000 yard seasons since 2015. One season he dipped below that mark. So I mean, yeah, it's he's consistent. He's consistently going to grab you that that thousand yards, uh, a, right around that eleven hundred yard mark, really. Uh, so yeah, I I I think that there's a lot of teams that could benefit from him being on the roster, and I think that there's going to be a lot of teams that are looking at, when you're looking at the trade deadline, they're going to be looking at it and saying, is this offense just a, a receiver away? maybe it's just a receiver away from what we think it could be
1: no for sure i and i think there are a few teams that fit that category and the value you would get back for brandon cooks because it's a seller's market make it kind of sexy to trade them i mean if if all you were getting was phone calls with with second day options fifth two i'll give you two fifth rounders i'll give you a sixth rounder this year and a seventh rounder next year no i probably wouldn't do it i Okay, we'll just keep him. I mean, it's fine. Uh, but if you're getting phone calls and it's, "Hey man, I'll give you a third-round pick for this guy." That's another that's another starter. That's what you know, third-rounders are supposed to be starters. So, okay, yeah, let's talk about it. I think I think it's worth it.
0: I, I 100% I 100% agree and They've got, what, six days now? Six days to field calls. Uh, Trade deadline is November 1st, so they've got some time still. Also, we've Uh, been getting a lot of calls about
1: trading you, by the way. But we've been holding out for for first day kind of currency. Nothing over a fourth rounder yet, so I think you're safe.
0: I cannot believe that you're holding out for day one currency listen, you sir <laughs> you, the joke sir is on you <laughs>
1: when you're as handsome as you look like in the pictures plus you're holding that emmy in that one photo i think it's i think i think i can get day one stuff i think i can do it i, I feel good about it i am i am riding
0: on past performances pretty much <laughs> looks and past performances that's all That's all i bring to the table i'm like when the patriots brought in marvin harrison or and junior
1: sale like you're you're here to move jerseys bro
0: it's all about. I'm the ocho cinco to the oh. Pats. It's all. It's all about moving jerseys. That's they didn't have about.
1: that dark moment where they just <laughs> signed every used to be good old player.
0: I mean, give them run in training camp once. You know,
1: kick the tires. Yeah, I mean, see I if they see if they got a a couple games. I just thought it was always interesting. Like, like they brought in who this year? Okay, all right. <laughs>
0: You got you got to try, you know. When you can't draft any
1: receivers. That's true. Gotta, they they for the You got to try for something. For the life of him, they cannot draft wide receivers. That's the one's position they don't understand.
0: Which is weird because it feels like it feels like if you dropped the Steelers into a draft blindfolded and spun them around and then told them to go like find a receiver. They'd still come up with like three new receivers yeah, three. that are going to get a thousand yards at some point in the next couple and of then years. And they would
1: bring in like an undrafted running back too. And they'd be like, I don't know why, but he just ran for a thousand yards this year. The Steelers for whatever reason, <laughs> feels right. Accidentally feels fine. And it's always weird to me because every year they're like, we're just going to ground it out. And then about midway through, they're like, we've got two receivers who are both on pace for 1,000 yards this year. <laughs> we got, did, did, we got uh, Johnson and,
0: and uh, Pickens who have made like four of the six craziest catches yeah. in the first two months of the season. Now,
1: sadly, now they have to because it, it seems like Pickett doesn't understand where the football goes when he lets it go. Yeah. Uh, he, he's been wildly inaccurate. But I always loved the big bin era because it was always so funny because they're were like, we're going to give it to Le'Veon Bell like 70 times. And they were giving their guards like $60 million contracts. Meanwhile, they would have like Antonio Brown and Juju Smith Schuster just like destroying people. And then it was Juju Smith Schuster, Darius Hay were Like, it, there was never a time where they didn't have two just incredibly fast, good receivers. And they never were like, we're going to open it up this year. Like, they never were like, we want to score 50.
0: It was the worst-kept secret, that's for it really sure. Was. Hey, Corey, let's uh let's hear from a couple of sponsors before we get to our next segment. we got to
1: maybe clear a name oh, here. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, it's time to trade in your mask for face masks, load up the hoppers, and go to war with your friends. Too hot? Too rainy? Too cold? Splat Zone has you covered. Literally. It's Splat Zone Indoor Paintball. Round up the family and get to 11260 Hempstead to check out Splat Zone Indoor Paintball today. 11260 Hempstead. Splat Zone Indoor Paintball. Splat Zone is a great, low-impact, family-friendly experience, and if you use their website to make reservations, you can get 5% off by using the code BATTLEREDSPLAT. Also let me tell you guys to go check out the Adventure Begins Stadium right there at 525 Woodland Square Boulevard, Suite 130 in Conroe, Texas. The Marcel Town Center right up there on the second floor, right above Adventure Begins Comics Games and more, is the Adventure Begins Stadium. They sell sports memorabilia and sports cards. It's clean, well-lit, family-friendly, the staff is knowledgeable. And it's always cool what they've got in stock and what they've got going on right up in there. So you always make sure to check out the Adventure Begins Stadium. The Adventure Begins is a great, fun, great store. Nico and I go there all the time to check it out. That's where we do all of our nerd shopping. And at the stadium, they sell all the top all the top uh, brands of cards, Panini, Upper Deck, all that type of stuff. So make sure to check them out. There's always some great signed memorabilia and things of that nature, as well as these sports cards, which everyone's getting back into Uh, When you watch these videos, there's a guy pulling a one-on-one Tom Brady and it's worth $20,000 or whatever You never know you go up there you buy a $30 penny pack of cards You might wind up being worth tens of thousands of dollars before you even walk out the door That's not a promise or a guarantee, but it could definitely happen because it happens numerous times So check out the adventure begins stadium right there in Conroe
0: All right, you know what this is really this is really something you brought to, to the show in our pre-show prep. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you run with the introduction for this segment.
1: So allegedly uh, – so how Battle Red Blog works, we all work for Vox Media. We were all brought together. There's an interview process that we go through. Uh, Colton worked for another show in the Vox Media network, and it was brought over to this one. I, this year, applied and was interviewed and all of that stuff. So there's a little how the sausage gets made. That also happens for the writers too. So this, this group is brought together every year to produce content to cover the Texans. Well, there's also several Discord groups put together of the different just of different topics. So in our off-topic thread, somebody brought up that apparently the Battle Red blog has been accused on the internet of having a bias. And I kind of thought it was really funny because we have discussions internally about stuff, but we wildly disagree on all kinds of things. There was a massive argument that spanned like three days about whether or not Jalen Hurts was as good as uh, oh, I can't believe I can't think of his name right now as I'm making this point, but the quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Jackson. There was a whole like uh, Jalen Hurts is as good as Lamar Jackson conversation, and I was like, well, how about we we wait and see if Jalen Hurts actually does it for a whole season before we like, before we go week four? They're definitely they're definitely peers. Like it's done. Um, but, Mm -hmm. but so there are, there's all these internal debates. We don't agree on very, very much, but we all enjoy covering sports and we're having a great time covering the Texans. But apparently the internet thinks that we all have a bias towards tanking that battle red blog wants and is obsessed with the idea of the Texans tanking. Now in no way is this going to be an official message from the battle red blog, because when we, when it got posted in there, uh, the actual editor, the guy who runs the everything for everybody just laughed about it goes, yeah I saw that that's so stupid and that was where it got left I didn't tell him we were going to talk about it today because I think it's kind of funny I don't even know if Colton and I agree on whether or not we are pro tanking I don't think I don't think I'm pro tanking although I am us I am pro us losing I think I think we're losing because we're bad
0: first of all first of all is anybody ever been pro tanking? Uh, the like NBA, there's definitely people sure. who are like, I see the merits of tanking or I see, I see why it would benefit the team to lose. But if you're like a, a fan, if you're even a fan of a sport, do you go in every weekend saying, boy, I hope we don't mess this up and we win <laughs>
1: uh, Astros. Yeah. 100%. The Astros spent two years, three years losing hundred games a year. And like I said, I got to, I got to chat with the boys and the boys were like, it's all right, man. Every loss gets us closer to greatness. Like they were you couldn't talk them out of the idea. Again, that's seeing the the, the merits. No, no, it. they were they were but happy. Being pro- they were happy with the losses. Because it meant Boy, we were getting yanks. the first the top pick for three years in a row. And obviously, uh I think Sports Illustrated in twenty fifteen predicted us to be the twenty eighteen World Series champions. And then we wound up winning it in twenty seventeen. So like they were they were like, We were close. Give us partial credit. Um, it would have to be that scenario
0: And like the 76ers Are yeah. the only two times trust, that a fan base has been Trust the like, process pro-tanky. Yeah absolutely No, But like I think we see the merit of losing But I don't think no None of the people I've talked with At Battle Red Blog None of us on this show are like Psyched about a really tough season No and
1: as a matter of fact coming into the <laughs> Oakland game I thought we were going to win it Um I, I really did think that we were going to win a close a close game. Now, granted, I was surprised that we were going back and forth and scoring. That did impress me. Davis Mills showed me something this Raiders game, two weeks in a row that he hasn't looked incompetent. So I'm I'm thrilled. Um. But I I mean I I picked him to win the Jaguars game correctly. So like if I'm picking them to win, if I think they're going to win games, how can I be in favor of tanking? I
0: I think that these accusations are are baseless and and, and
1: frankly uh, a little insulting. I think they're hilarious because not even on the show when we started like I think you brought up tanking like week two. You're like, is it time to have the tanking talk? And I was like, I mean, we could have it, but like we're gonna lose them. Like we're not losing them on purpose. Like <laughs> we're putting our best twenty two out there. Like let's be clear about that. The Texans are not trying to lose. These guys believe they can win games. And that's what you want. You want a culture of people who believe they can win. They're just not good enough yet. And I think that's sort of the thing is, listen, the root of, you know, the word fan, it comes from the term fanatic. You know, a love that's so crazy that you can't touch reality. True Texans fans don't want to hear that they're not, we're not a good team. We don't have a good roster. Even my friends, I've had a hard time really getting them to recognize how bad our roster is. We, we, if this were Madden, we don't have a lot of guys rated above 78, okay? Like, it's not a good team. And I don't know what the Madden rating is for this year. I haven't, I haven't even looked at the new Madden, but if they're giving us a bunch of Bs, they're being dishonest. Um, We're not a good team. We're not. We're not built yet the way Lovey Smith wants us to be built. That's pretty obvious at the linebacker level, which is why we don't stop the runs. Uh, Oakland embarrassed us with their running game because they were doing what Chicago was doing to us, which was getting to the outside. Now, if you want to run up the middle, we'll slow you down. We'll hold you to about 100 yards, which, you know, that's probably middle of the league. But if you get to the outside on us, you're gonna you're going to average probably 12 to 15 because we're not good on the outside. So that's linebackers we're not ready. we're not ready to be a good team. So it's not a matter of tanking it's just a matter of the 22 we put out there every week aren't winners yet
0: This reeks of somebody reading an article that they didn't like and making a decision on the, the blog
1: or, or, and listen, there might be some articles on the blog in favor of tanking. I don't know I, had, I don't I don't I haven't read every article on the blog. One of the writers might be in favor of it that that's a de- Distinct possibility, but they wouldn't be wrong. We're not good.
0: No, no, but I I would say that it's definitely not a no. mantra on the on the blog. And there's definitely That's been sure.
1: no internal conversations and no man. I just wish they would lose. There have been guys who are like you know the more like when we beat Jacksonville, there was there was a comment made where it was like uh, you know the position where it put us for draft picks hurt us. Because the t- between the tie and the win, it makes our pick like the, the sixth pick or whatever. And then the Browns are like the fifth pick. So like between the two picks, we're outside of like the top three or something like that. So I get why that wouldn't be a great thing because we want as many good players as possible. But in my mind, I'm okay with this. as long as we get two top 10 players uh, out, of this, out of these first two picks in the draft, then I think we're right on pace.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. feel like it was worth addressing. Oh,
1: I, I thought it was hilarious. I, I wanted to see what you, how you felt about it because I know, uh, so you're in media. I've worked in media as a freelance writer forever. I, I work, I wrote for SportsMap.com before I did all this. Um, there's always that conversation like, Oh, the media, they, they, you know, some grand conspiracy. We all meet, we all get together and we talk ideas or something it's never happened anywhere I've ever worked where they're like, how about you write the story and you only focus on these things? No one's ever told me how to write a story. No one's ever told me how to focus on ideas or what ideas to not write about. Um, I mean, honestly, I've I've never come across it.
0: Uh, My experience is that everyone is so busy (laughs) in media. Nobody has the time to – to tailor everybody's story to, fit to some uh, one yeah. common angle that we're we're going for to yeah. fit a narrative <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> and being freelance like they care even less what i do until i turn it in anyway like <laughs> but
0: in all seriousness in all seriousness uh the places i have worked all of them have uh have really encouraged individuality and creativity as well as uh, just fact-based reporting being the the, the centerpieces and criteria they don't want a bunch of people. Nobody's gonna go to a site where everybody has the same uh, take or pitches the same story or writes the same way or uh, tells the story the same way uh, or tells any story with the same uh, with the same pattern the same flow and the same the same way and the, the same ideas of how they're gonna look at it at various angles, nobody wants to go to the same site where it's all that uniform. You want people to have that individuality uh, in their writing. Even when you're writing in, in reporting in a fact-based way, you still want to bring your creativity to that, that narrative and to that storytelling piece of it. So it is not in the interest of the, the site or the, the place that you work if you're in media to control your writers and your creative minds that way. Uh, so it's it's a pretty it's a pretty funny notion
1: to think that that is the goal. Yeah, I thought it was pretty. I thought it was a laugh. I I, I saw it and I said, uh, that's worth that's worth talking about because it's going to be funny. Um.
0: Okay, I got. We have one more thing. We got one more. Okay, thing to what do, do you got? One more thing to do before we head out here because we're getting a little long in the tooth. But we got one more thing to do every week, midweek. We do NFL Ooh, headlines.
1: Okay. All right. Okay.
0: And I think for this week, one of the NFL, I don't know, maybe headlines is strong, but one of the NFL conversations I've definitely thought about the most the last couple of days is the MVP conversation. I've I've been getting excited because it feels like for the first time in a while, there might be a non-quarterback who can win it. It might be the the season has been messy enough the middle of the nfl deep enough that and again you could argue it's just a race between mahomes and allen i would say that this is the first year in a while where it could be a different position
1: type uh i don't know man i'm not sure about that i i who would what which running back do you think has done more than Mahomes or Allen. Well, I was gonna go with. Uh,
0: I know that credit where credit is due. Two of the people champion this, uh, Ryan Rossillo for the Ringer, I uh, and several hosts on the NFL Network have championed uh, Micah Parsons. What?
1: On what point? Why?
0: Because he's having an insane okay. season, and the Dallas
1: Cowboys actually might be good. First of all, they're not good. That's that's a myth. Uh, he can be defensive player of the year. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, no, no, I don't think he's. I don't think he's the most valuable player. I don't even think. I don't even know if he's the best player on that team. Uh, he's good. He's talented. Well, first of all, he's a hundred percent the best player on that. Um, team. I like their. I like. I like. Hundred, I like their corner digs I think a I think hundred Diggs percent is, is just as good just as talented um
0: no not uh, close not close Diggs is an entirely a tire entirely a home run hitter of a, a player where he he has just as many guys burn him as he does interceptions and he's going to and that's the best part about him is he's gonna try and yeah. ball hawk and go for the ball and have the high risk play, but it's also burned him. But that's the exact same story. Whereas no, no, no. no. That's the same Parsons. story Parsons. Micah
1: Parsons. This is what I don't like about defensive ends. They get all the credit for sacks and pass disruptions, and oh, they're really breaking it up out there. But there was a really valid complaint about the other D lineman who played with J.J. Watt. Um, I think it was. I think it was Reader who who had a comment come out after he no longer played uh, with with JJ Watt, where Watt would go rogue on any play. On any, like, they're they're calling out switches and stunts, and Watt would just call it off right before the hike, and just do whatever he wanted to do. And that's his greatness kind of overruled
0: that, but that's the thing is that he's not just a pass rusher. He's playing in their system. He's only rushing the passer. I think the stat is like 65% of the time. Other times he's out in coverage. He's covering tight ends. He's uh, out playing passes. Uh, he has to play in the system because he's doing a lot of different things, but he's so good that when he does get his hand in the dirt and rush the passer, he's still disrupting so often because he's getting back to the quarterback all the time, despite the fact that he's still going out there and playing in coverage and covering uh, tight ends. I don't know.
1: He's he's the best player. He's I the best know. player. On the I, team. I think I think Philadelphia game planned him away with ease. Um, I he might have had a sack or two, but I mean, as far as shutting down the run and doing all those things that they keep attributing great defensive players to, you know, Philadelphia handled them. It just handled them. So I don't I don't know that I would agree with that. That's an inch. Inter- I've never. I haven't heard anyone say that yet, and I'm. I'm glad I haven't because I. I think I would have just crashed my car in laughter. Um. I, I. I think. I think this is probably right now the Chiefs are playing some of the best football they've ever played, so I don't know why it wouldn't be Patrick Mahomes. Um. But here's the thing, okay. So right now we can agree that Carolina, Tampa Bay, uh, New Orleans that whole little situation down there is a mess. Atlanta, right? We can say those four teams are a disaster. Yeah, the NFC South. Tampa and Carolina are both three and four. Okay, Carolina is one win away from being in the lead for the division, and they just fired their head coach a week ago. Tampa Bay, the year they won the Super Bowl against the Chiefs, they started their first eight games four and four. There is so much football left to play. That it's impossible right now to say here's the guy, because while anyone for for little spots can do it, three weeks, four weeks, whatever it might be, we're now about to have the marathon of the football season. This is why the NFL is the hardest sport to be good at, to be great at. Good is easy, great is impossible for any real length of time in the NFL, because we're about to every team is about to have to basically play. 11 games over the next 11 weeks like there's a couple about half the leagues have had their bye week so There's a lot of the league who is now gonna have to play marathon football Thursdays Sundays Mondays, you know Sunday morning Sunday evening Sunday night. It doesn't let up. There's no stopping until the playoffs A lot of these guys are gonna fall off and a lot of these guys are gonna rise up It's never Tom Brady hasn't been the best quarterback in the NFL probably four or five years but what he has been is consistent and patient and able to grow an offense every year into a super bowl winning one at just the right time the super bowl so it doesn't do any good to be the best defensive player in october if come december the cowboys lose six of their next ten you know what i mean
0: that's fair uh and i and I'm not saying it's necessarily going to be a defensive player. I'm just that saying would be a heck of a phenomenon with maybe some of these quarterbacks getting, getting older with just in general, we've seen unders hit, uh, at an extremely high rate this year, which means you're having less offense. Uh, maybe, maybe they're the quarterback. Maybe it's not a lock for quarterback when it comes end of the season. And I get, we have a lot of the season left, but maybe it's not a lock for quarterback at MVP. It's it's the same thing with the Heisman. I would love it for it not to just be a quarterback award. I think that makes the MVP run a little more entertaining, and so it'd be nice if that door cracked open just a little bit to maybe have somebody else at least in the conversation I'll say through this, the season. Because usually it's just it's just your
1: handful of quarterbacks. If Michael going Parsons at the end of the year is in conversation for for MVP, then. Somebody owes J.J. Watt an apology for like two or three of those years, in like the '08s, '09s, whatever it was, when he was the great, the the greatest defensive player who had ever. There was like a three-year window where there was. Yeah, when did he? When Aaron Rodgers won? Was
0: that 2012? Like, I, I think. But uh. there was like a
1: three-year window where where J.J. Watt was, what he was doing statistically. Will never, like, it's like it'll be unreplicatable for a three year window. Now, granted, he paid the price for that. His body is so broken at this point that they're jump starting his heart on Wednesdays before a game. Uh, so obviously <laughs> he's paid the toll, but, but yeah, if they give it to Micah Parsons this year because it's a quote unquote down year on quarterbacks, then someone needs to write a letter to JJ Watt and be like, hey, we, we really hosed you back then. Sorry, buddy.
0: That's, uh, That's, uh... That's fair. That's a hundred percent fair. I'll help pen the letter because <laughs> I thought he should have won MVP at least one of those years when he was, uh, when he was going yeah, for the sack I mean, record. It, it's kind uh, of a weird,
1: It's a weird thing to, to hear them be like, I don't know, because I, I what Dallas runs is that that three four hybrid they run. He's kind of an uh they call it an elephant, um, and your and and the the bigger pass rusher typically is the elephant, and they typically do really well. I just think it's. Part of it is the system is featuring him in that way, and he does have the skills to be able to do all of those things, so that's why they're featuring him. So it kind of feeds on each other in that way. But I just there have been better performances by better defensive players that make me go, what, <laughs> what? Uh, Ed Reed, Ed Reed.
0: That's fair. That's fair. We're still we're still early. Uh, did you have did you have a headline that you wanted
1: to touch uh, on before I did. head out here? Um, the internet is is full of fools and jerks. Um, but there was a clip that did look kind of odd where two referees stopped Mike Evans and asked him to to write something on a piece of paper. Now here's I will I will readily say this. most people don't know what happens behind the scenes of the NFL and I'm one of them. It looked to me as a layman that he was signing an autograph. A bunch of people said that he signed an autograph, and they were like, that looks really bad. That looks really inappropriate. And it kind of does look really bad, and it kind of does look inappropriate. But it also, do you think these guys don't cross paths a dozens and dozens of times? Do you think players don't sign autographs for referees? Like, what a stupid thing to say. So I, I didn't think it was a story, but it went national. And now, now Mike Evans has come out and said I didn't sign anything for him. And a lot of people are like, there's really no reason to doubt him because there's no reason to lie for the referees. Like, it doesn't win you any favor. Like, they're still going to make the calls they make. And Tampa hasn't been getting very many good calls lately anyway because they suck. So I I thought the whole story was dumb. I thought the whole hullabaloo was dumb. Um, I didn't think it was a big deal even if he was signing an autograph. So I don't know. What do you think? Do you think they don't have, like, Brett Favre autographs and Tom Brady autographs back home? Do you really think these guys don't? I I don't think all the
0: players hate all the refs. So I'm sure that, you know, in offseason or something like that, a player will do a favor or something and and throw him an autograph or something like that. I don't know. But I'm not saying that a player has never signed a ball for a ref. I feel like if you're in the tunnel after the game leaving the field— That's kind of a weird setting to ask for it. I thought it was much weirder, the cloak and dagger. I don't know if you saw the ESPN article uh, on their site about this, but they said that the NFL, according to this article, the NFL did investigate and confirm that there wasn't an autograph that was signed, but didn't give details on what that interaction was. When Mike Evans talked about it, he said, I wasn't signing my autograph, I'll tell you that. I talked to a lot of officials, we're all human beings. He's a nice guy, so we were
1: talking about Okay, let me ask you this. If it turns out that they play golf together on Tuesdays when those guys are in Tampa or he's in the city where they're going to be at, wouldn't that be worse than him just signing an autograph? I
0: don't know if it'd be worse, but I would say if that's your sc- scenario, just say, hey, we're talking about golf. We're talking about golf scores. We're comparing scores, something like that. Don't say, it wasn't signing an autograph. I'll tell you that. Why do you have to be so cloak and dagger? What are you hiding? What. <laughs>
1: No, I I agree. It's It makes weird. it look more suspicious. It's a little it weird. Look more suspicious. I think I think if you're gonna complain about them signing an autograph and then you find out it's not an autograph, but like Mike Evans, Mike Evans gave him the hookup to like a golf pro in Tampa or something, that would be ten times worse. I would think. Um, I'm just the, saying, the, if the you're signing an autograph,
0: the, don't do it in the
1: tunnel. I don't. I just I don't th- I, because it could be anything, and that's the thing people don't understand about like the level of intimacy all these people have together. It could literally be anything, and you don't, like, they all travel. They all have the same kind of weird lifestyle. They're going to have more in common with the referees than almost they do with their loved ones because of the way it all works publicly and all that stuff. So to me, the idea that these guys don't get along before and after games is ridiculous. Also, uh, I think Larry Fitzgerald's dad was an umpire, a referee. Like in the NFL, I think I think Larry Fitzgerald's dad called an NFL game where his, his, his dad or Larry Fitzgerald called the balls.
0: Wait, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how that has Did anything you even, to do with this. You tell me he didn't have his autograph? <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
1: I... These guys know each other. I think the whole story was stupid. Now, the NFL is always that guy, though. The NFL is always the jerk in the room where they're like, We know what really happened, but you don't need to know. And it isn't the thing you think it is. So get over it, but that's just the NFL.
0: Yeah. It's just a weird quirky story. I'm sure that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are happy to talk about this over the way they've played. Uh, (laughs) yeah,
1: they wanted to sign something every week now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It is. It is a weird story that probably got more airtime than it deserves. Uh, so I, I, I would agree with you there. Uh, well, there we go. That's the show. We did it. We made it through another, <laughs> made it through another Wednesday show. Congratulations. This always
1: ends up being like our long show, in, in pre-prep, we never have anything.
0: I wouldn't say that. Uh, I, <laughs> but it, it always, it always feels like it's going to be like thirty-five minutes and goes an hour. Listeners, listeners, we
1: literally have nothing for this show. Yeah, in our prep for, for our Wednesday show, it is always nothing. We came in th- we wanting to talk
0: about Brandon Cooks. We ended with with referee autographs. There you go. Thanks so much for listening, <laughs> folks. That's quality
1: radio right
0: there. Battle Red Radio. I'm your host, Colton Molesky, co-host, Corey DLG. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you're subscribing and tuning in. And be looking out for more Battle Red Radio later this week.